0: Hey friends, this is Hannah Wedger. I'm an agriculture teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, and I'm your host here to talk all things agriculture education related. Curriculum, classroom management, FFA, career development events, SAEs, and whatever else you want to hear about. It's basically me sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with all of you. Today I have on um, Miss Janelle Hewners, and she is a student at the University of Minnesota. She's going to give us all her tips and tricks for the poultry CD. So let's dig in.
1: Hey friends, I'm here today with Janelle Heuners and she is a senior this fall at the University of Minnesota. Um, She's actually been in my classroom a time or two observing me, which has been fun. Um, She is pursuing a degree in agriculture education and agricultural communication and marketing with a minor in animal science. She's, (laughs) She's <laughs> that's a, like that's a mouthful, um, and I am excited to have you because you're just such a go-getter um, and so I'll have you introduce yourself a little bit more and just kind of tell us about your background in agriculture.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, Hannah. So uh, like you said, I'm Janelle and I'm studying agriculture uh, right now at the University of Minnesota. I grew up on a hobby farm in a small town called Lindstrom, Minnesota. We've raised everything from dairy goats to pigs, uh, horses, and a lot of different kinds of poultry. So that was really fun and is what initially got me involved in 4-H and FFA and had great experiences in those and got involved with leadership, which in those organizations, which eventually led me to wanting to be an agricultural educator and, yeah, pursuing that in higher
1: education. And so when you were in my classroom, I was talking about my podcast a little bit, asked you if you wanted to be on it, and then was um, curious about like what are your like areas of expertise. And you had mentioned <laughs> um, poultry, the poultry CDE, as like your wheelhouse. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> because even though I have chickens myself, I would say that the contest, um, is a little bit overwhelming for me. (laughs) And so I was like, super excited because (laughs) I need some help with that. Um, And it, to be quite honest, is originally why I got started doing a podcast is because I had looked all over um, different apps to try and find, like, I need 20 minutes to teach me how to teach these kids about like culture (laughs) CDE. And I couldn't find one. And so that's why I, I... Originally started this podcast, so uh, I'm excited. Like, I'm really excited. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome. I'm.
1: A, I'm too. Um. So I think it's probably good to start from the beginning and maybe just kind of walk through, like, what is the poultry CD? What are the different parts? And then we'll kind of break it down from there.
2: Yeah. So just as an overview of it, you can compete, um, as with most uh, CDs, you can compete as a team or an individual. Um, I like to reiterate that you can send individual students to competitions because a lot of people focus on the teams. And, yes, teams are great um, as far as the competition goes, but if you have one really passionate student about a certain CDE, I think it's still worth pursuing that. Um, So you can bring a team or an individual to the competition, and they're basically just judging and observing different parts of the poultry industry. And that can range from uh, identifying different cuts of a chicken carcass, judging egg quality, ranking turkey carcasses. Uh, I believe now they even have some processed chicken judging. The competition's <laughs> kind of changed a little as I've gone through it. It was interesting, I think, when I was in high school, um, kind of – I think sophomore and junior year of high school is when there was a really big avian influenza breakout in Minnesota and Mm -hmm. that shifted how they did a lot of parts of the competition because they had to switch from utilizing live birds in some of those judgings to finding different ways to assess the student's knowledge in poultry so I've seen it done a couple different ways through that but I think that's a general overview of the
1: competition sure so let's break it down (laughs) a little bit um and kind of go into each of the different parts if you're comfortable with that yeah um let's start with egg judging yeah or egg evaluation so let's say a student has never done it before how would you explain it to them
2: yeah so there's a couple and there's different things in the egg judging uh process Um, Two kind of different competitions within the egg part of it as well. So usually what I've seen is that there will be kind of an egg ID where you're IDing different deformities or defects that an egg has, and you just have to assess that by visually looking at the egg, and then you make a check on your test sheet, and that's how you assess that aspect of a competition. Uh, then there's also uh, the just overall judging the egg quality and giving it a score. Uh, I believe the scores are A, B, and C, and then inedible. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just judging different factors of shape, size, if it might have a check on it, or a, um, if it's broken, maybe, cracks, things like that. Uh, then there's also um, interior uh, egg quality, which personally, that was probably the one I struggled with the most or found the most challenging. Um, sure. So you're taking the egg and you're putting it up to what is called a candler, which is essentially just a light and you're in a dark room and you're assessing the interior quality of the egg based on different factors of like yolk size and air inside the egg Uh and making again, making a A, B, or C, or an inaudible score.
1: Um, so I have a question. Why did you think that that one was the most difficult? You know, just yeah. About, like my students and why, you know, roadblocks that they might come up with. Yeah.
2: And I don't, it's hard to pinpoint exactly why that was the most challenging for me. Um, I think maybe the concepts were just a little harder for me to grasp and not Seeing that being able to really see things mm-hmm. that were happening—if that makes sense—like when you're looking at the factors, you can pretty much see visually if the there's like calcium deposit on the outside of the cell. Yeah, it's, it's either yeah. there, or it's not. <laughs> Whereas the interior quality, I think, is a little more. Even though it's not supposed to be subjective, I think it is a little more subjective just based on like your vision and how well you can see in those dark rooms and just knowing how to hold the egg properly and what you're supposed to be looking for I just it was a different kind of wheelhouse for me to grasp from the other aspects of the competition
1: yeah that makes sense and I know like this is kind of weird but like (laughs) I um I have an astigmatism so I have a harder time seeing at night and I do struggle a little bit with the egg candling mm-hmm. uh, and especially if I'm not wearing my glasses or if the lighting is just kind of weird or off, it can be a little bit more difficult. So that's why I was just kind of curious um, yeah. what you thought as well.
2: And I mean, maybe some of it is like with, it's a harder for me to grasp of like, well, what's the point I can tell if there's like you, at a basic level of if the egg, if there's a embryo inside of it or not a very base level understanding of the candling but also there was a point of me like oh this egg looks good on the outside so why do I need to worry about what it looks like on the inside so maybe there is that kind of connection of like not fully grasping why it was so necessary too whereas like the other aspects of the judging felt a little more concrete sure
1: sure that makes sense um, how would you if you're thinking about studying for the um, the egg quality part or egg evaluation part, how would you suggest like we prepare our students to study for that? Mm-hmm. The biggest or how did you study for it?
2: Yeah, how I studied, I tried to look through as many resources I had as I could find. the main one being just a poultry judging handbook that I had held on for for years. I, I did 4h. Uh, poultry judging as well and had a handbook from that and all these same concepts translated over so I used that and they had picture examples of what you're looking for and there are some specific charts of like you can have ooh, I'm not sure on the numbers but one sixteenth of an inch of air in the air sac when you're looking for like the egg sure um, th- yeah um <laughs> And then I just like Google has also been a friend to me because I just seeing as many different pictures of the eggs and because after you look at one manual a couple of times you kind of memorize what those grades would be um, inherently so just trying to get my hands on as many different images and testing myself and if possible and this was more challenging um, just judging eggs in person which is mm-hmm. hard because well it's a lot of the thing. I had chickens at home but a lot of the defects that would happen weren't very common so it's not something that I'd be looking for my eggs at home and it's definitely not something you're going to see in the grocery store um <laughs> so it's hard I think it's hard in that respect because a lot of the defects or not maybe not a lot but some of the defects that are in the competition are kind of man-made like uh, yeah yeah yeah.
1: as a teacher like setting up for the contest before like it's you like make the defects because it's hard to actually find like you said if you go to a grocery store you're not going to find those defects most likely um I have had success finding like some pretty intense (laughs) defects um from a gas station that is up the road from our school (laughs) it's like the most shady eggs I've ever bought in my whole entire life but they were perfect for evaluation and I was like (laughs) Oh my gosh, they were misshapen. They had the (laughs) largest calcium deposits I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Wow, I'm surprised
2: (laughs) those made it to the store, (laughs) but that's a great
1: opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, bottom shelf of the gas station, and I just had forgotten to actually bring in the eggs from home that I was going to bring, so I stopped there, and I was like, this is the jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, at home, even,
2: like, something, like, just anything abnormal that, like, when I have eggs like cracking them open and you'd be like oh there's a blood spot in here or like oh double yoker mm-hmm. triple Or, mm-hmm. like like, that's so cool and I like taking a picture of that and like any just anytime there's like weird abnormalities documenting it I think was good too and then it retains in at least in my brain a lot better because I have that's that so mem- smart. D- direct memory of it but I mean not everyone has um can go yeah. out to their chicken coop and <laughs> pick eggs and whatnot. I,
1: but... I'm so dumb. I I have chickens at home. Why have I not been doing this? <laughs> I need to start taking pictures. Good golly, <laughs> Miss Molly, what is my problem? That's so smart. <laughs> but yeah, and even like the candle, like the,
2: even if there are like normal eggs on the outside, you can definitely still, I think, practice the candling. Like it could be as simple as holding up a flashlight, I mean, I have mm-hmm. a Candler at home, but you really all you need is a flashlight in a dark room for the most part. You just want to be able to like see kind of those shadows.
1: Um, yeah,
2: inside. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so you talked a little bit about um, some of the like man-made do you have any tips and tricks for doing some of those, like, man-made um, <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a <what> <laughs> weird way to
1: put tobacco. it. Um,
2: I think those are pro- usually, at least in my experiences, have been, I don't want to say obvious, but when I think of man-made, I think of the terminology of leaker, which is like yeah. when <laughs> the egg is physically, like, broken and there's literally egg yolk leaking out. So in my head, that, like, translates pretty well. I'm like, oh, leaker, that makes sense, because it's literally leaking out of the shell. Yeah. Um, Or just, like, uh, any type of foreign material, I think, is another one that I've seen on Scantrons, and that could be anything from manure or just, yeah, any kind of foreign material, really. I've seen, i know,
1: I think we've like stuck some straw in there or something. Like, yeah.
2: I saw nerd. in uh this is not eggs, but in the like we were judging, I think like chicken nuggets and like they stuck up like skewer a wooden skewer in one. Yes. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> but similar
1: concept. So Yeah. Yes. Um <laughs> and so yeah, there's like prominent stain or modulus. Yeah. Stain.
2: So a lot of those man made ones I think kind of explain it more in the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Okay. So I feel like we've covered eggs pretty <laughs> well. Um, the next one that maybe we should talk about is carcass evaluation. Okay.
2: Um, So I've seen carcass evaluation done in a couple different ways. I've seen it where you're placing usually like turkey carcasses, um, just one oh through God. four uh. And I've also seen it where you're just grading chicken carcasses, um, like ABC, or there might be a non gradable grade as well. But they use the same kind of, I think, chart to use, and it's based on exposed flesh, disjointed bones, broken bones, if there's any missing parts. I think those are the main ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I'm just looking at the, the, like, guide put out by National right now. And it looks like there's the ABC and the non gradable um, And they do have the four ready-to-cook turkeys. And then they'll also have carcasses of um, some type of chicken carcass, whether it's a broiler, or roasters, or whatever else. Um, I'm trying to look at what the um, different deductions are and stuff like that. What are some like that? If you're thinking about students who, you know, they can tell if there's like a—I know ones that are easy for me to see if there's like a rip in the skin or whatever. But what are some that like you might have to have your students might have to look a little bit closer to see those um, those areas where you would get deductions. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, one that immediately comes to mind, yeah, is uh, disjointed bones. Sometimes those aren't as uh, obvious. I think just because they aren't necessarily puncturing the skin, yeah, and they're like still usually like protected by that layer. So to like, if you're just glancing at it, you don't really notice it as much, depending on where like the joint is disjointed. Um, yeah, another just like root t- um i just lost my train of thought oh missing parts like there are some i think like kind of tricks with that like the some people like it's allowed to have wing tips uh removed from a carcass but i don't think everybody necessarily realizes that all the time so sure, they'll yeah. count that as oh it's missing a part But in reality, it really has, like, no effect on the score if, like, wingtips are on the bird or not. And same goes for, I think it's the neck. There's a certain amount that's permitted to be missing before it's counted as, like, a missing part. So I think being aware of those kind of little things are also good to keep in mind.
1: Sure. So when you're thinking about, like... Um, the, the different turkeys, they place them in like order of best to worst, correct? When you have the four. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. So let's say you have two that are really close. What are some things that you would like, oh, this one has a disjointed one. Uh, but this one has this, I would definitely put it above that. Does that make sense? Like, what are some things that, you know, for sure, like either bumps it up or bumps it down?
2: Yeah. Um, I don't in the handbook that I'm thinking of I think it does kind of have a rank well I first of all I just like try to grade each of them in my head of like oh this is an A this is a B this is a C and so sure. that can kind of cause an initial break and I've been in classes where there's been like one A carcass and the rest are B's and so I just have to worry about finding those little things and it kind of usually comes down to just little differentiations of yeah those broken bones and um. so
1: it sounds like a good way to kind of approach it so you go through you grade each individual carcass based on what you know
2: yeah pretty loosely and I kind of have the mindset I'm like okay best to worst like personally which would I want to grab off the shelf
1: okay okay you know um sure And that
2: also kind of helps mitigate that, like, which one would I most prefer to grab out of all these? They might all be terrible, but out of the fun, (laughs) which, which was, which is the best of the worst, you know? So that too, I think is good to keep in mind.
1: Okay. And then you'll go through and you'll look at like, there's three of them that are bees. And then you'll kind of say like, This one is disjointed, but this one has a big tear in the skin and is missing something. Mm -hmm. So,
2: and some of that is subjective too, because when you look at these charts, they don't really sometimes valid like say like, oh, well, having two disjointed bones is better than this giant gash. Yeah, so it can be a bit subjective. So, I think it's also good to keep in mind that the way you're being judged is based off of how they were judged maybe like a half hour ago by somebody else. I, I've i gotten the chance to at the University of Minnesota, like we host an invitational in the fall and then also the state CDE in the spring. So once or twice, I think I've like gotten the chance to judge a couple of those before the kids go, which is a weird sense of power <laughs> and a little yeah. trippy being on the other side, but yeah, because I mean, so we're also like sometimes in the same position of like, which is better. And there is a little subjectiveness speaking to that kind of other side of it.
1: Sure. So uh, I guess that makes it a little bit interesting then. Like what uh, what's your suggestion for students if you know that there's some subjective piece to it as far as grading? Yeah. And stuff?
2: Like that? I think the biggest thing is really knowing, and like if you can, if you have, are good at memorizing things. If you can memorize those charts and understand the numbers and how those relate uh, on the carcasses, like as far as measurements go, like a trick that I I and other friends did were like, okay, one sixteenth of an inch is this much on my pencil so I could like throw my pencil over it and just kind of visually see like okay that's how much it is um yeah so knowing those is I think the first major thing if you're able to do that and then secondly just trying to think of like you are a producer and you or you are a consumer and which one you think logistically would be best if, sure sure if that makes That's sense
1: that <laughs> um being able to kind of like have something visually that gives you a sense of like how how like length you know, yeah because a lot of times
2: we know like we might know what the measurement is in our head we might know the number but actually like
1: visually seeing that is a different yeah. thing too so yeah I actually use that all the time because I think <laughs> What is it? Your hand is, like the length of your hand is about six inches or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> um, okay, so that makes me feel a little bit better about carcasses and being able to place them. Um, the And I know that you don't have, um, except for probably at the state, con- or when you judge the state contest, don't have a lot of familiarity with the boneless, further processed poultry Uh, But any um, tips, tricks, or thoughts on that part of the contest? Yeah, that's
2: probably the area I'm least familiar with, just because that's probably the newest aspect and I think was introduced mid, like, my junior or senior year in high school. Um, Yeah. yeah, But it's kind of similar to what I was saying before about um, these man-made factors, Mm -hmm. because I think that was – i recall correctly one of the contests was just determining different defects and just kind of thinking through the terminology logistically and really with all of these parts of the competition knowing the terminology and what each term on that score sheet means Mm -hmm. um but also some of those terminol some of that terminology aligns pretty well with what is actually happening on like your chicken nugget like I said before earlier reform material <laughs> well if there's just a random kebab sticking through it that or if there's I think there's something about conjoined or like a double yeah tender, there's it's something like cluster, that
1: cluster marriages
2: yeah and so if you're seeing so that and then if you see two together I think that is pretty easy to put together Mm -hmm. um but yeah just familiarizing yourself with the terminology is really key because I think that's something I struggled with just I remember the first time I like went in the competition and I saw that was a con part of the contest and I was kind of caught off guard because I didn't know they were switching to that um and some of the terminology I just had no familiarity with so Mm -hmm. overcoming that I think is the biggest thing
1: yeah, and it looks like, you know, um, it, it seems like it's fairly, when you look at the scorecard, um, fairly straightforward, like coding void, inconsistent color. Um, there's one that's just inconsistent.
2: Yeah, some <laughs> of the terminology is kind of vague, which is not helpful.
1: Yeah, and so I think, like you said before, trying to find those, like, pictures or examples is really helpful. Um I don't, I believe it's on Quizlet that has like all the little, um, like flashcards that students have made and there's a bunch of them that are just available. And I know for just like, uh, egg grading and stuff like that, that has been really, really helpful for my students, but also this, this part of the contest too, with the, the boneless and the bone in and that further processed poultry, just seeing like, what does, inconsistent color look like <laughs> on a chicken nut like you said on yeah. a chicken nut or a chicken patty or whatever it is. Uh, uh, the other parts that I have is the written exam so you have mm-hmm. any tips or tricks for us for the written part?
2: Uh, I think the written exams focus more on real industry knowledge rather than judging there, I think there's probably a couple that may ask about those specifics, but I think that's more broad um, poultry industry no- knowledge as far as, like, which states are, like, the top producers for turkeys or how many yeah. eggs does a chicken produce in a year? What Where would you find this body part on a chicken or stuff like that that's a little more broad and... So utilizing, I think, a variety of resources to study for that, whether it be something from Minnesota, Turkey, since we're from Minnesota, or um, yeah, the standard of perfection manual, which has been immensely ha- helpful to me in like, all of my poultry endeavors. Uh, it's pretty pricey, uh, honestly, but it's... I mean, what is that you... resource
1: again? What's yeah.
2: it called? Um, listen believe it's standard of perfection it might be poultry standard of perfection um but that is basically just a guide of different breeds of chickens bantam chickens ducks pretty much all poultry i think is in it and it's more just talks about breed standards but it still has a lot of like just good general information about these different types of birds and that kind of thing so that has a lot of good information in it um, and then again, Google is a great <laughs> tool to just search whatever you need. Um, as far as poultry info goes, just making sure it's from a real reliable source is always key.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you find like the practice tests? I know Minnesota puts out, like, their practice test, North Dakota, whatever else, from Mm -hmm. years previous. Did you find that those were helpful?
2: Yeah, Um, I thought those were really helpful. I don't,
1: yeah, it's. I think it's, like,
2: years past exams, right? It's, or has been. I think, yeah, because you see how the questions are going to be proposed or framed. And so I think that gives your, puts your head in the right mindset as far as how to approach answering the questions. Um, and then you get a feel for the type. I've definitely also seen repeats of questions. So some years you luck out if you're studying the right test from (laughs) the year past and you might see a question pop up again. So I found those pretty beneficial
1: as well. Sure. Okay. So the last, I think this is the last part (laughs) that we haven't talked about is the, um, like different part identification. So different parts of, um, I believe it's a well, I don't know if it's chickens and turkeys or just chickens. <laughs>
2: um, when I've done it, it was just chickens. Okay, <laughs> it might have also changed. <laughs> a bit, couple years out now, but
1: yeah. Um. So it looks like identify ten poultry parts. Mm-hmm. Um. Any tips or tricks for that?
2: Yeah. Um. I think this was probably one of my favorite aspects of the contest. Um probably just because it was very like black or right, black and white. Like there was definitely like a right or wrong. There was no ambiguity with how things were going to be judged. Um, but I think one yeah. of the most helpful things was just like making flashcards with <laughs> the part on one side and the name on the other and just like quizzing myself, quizzing my friends, getting a good group together to quiz each other. I Personally, I worked really well collaboratively. So when I got a good group of people to do the poultry judging contest with and we could all study for it together, that was always great. Um, But yeah, just it's memorization really for the most part and being able to or just also kind of trying to visualize like where would this part be on the bird? So if you can understand how the anatomy of a chicken works and operates and you can kind of like pull it apart in that sense if that makes sense um, yeah <laughs> break it down and just kind of try and visualize like where would it make sense that this body part would be on a chicken
1: yeah my girls that competed this year um uh, like related that these analogies to like their own body parts oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> the blah 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 is like this on me because xyz and they were such a funny group but (laughs) for sure I can definitely see how that would be helpful um to be able to make those analogies and oh yeah that looks like that which looks like my thigh so Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever else you'll
2: also notice too is like some parts are just like broken down parts of another one if that makes (laughs) sense okay it's like um I want to say a flat is just a smaller section of like another part of the chicken and you might or you might see like a leg and that's part of the whole whole leg and so sometimes sometimes they'll have like a whole half of a chicken and if they do (laughs) if they have like those larger parts together you can kind of walk back and forth sometimes and see like oh I see this part over here on this plate and it you can kind of see like okay so this is some part of the leg I may sure. not like know what the exact term is but I at least know that much
1: yeah that's great You're able to narrow it down a little bit uh, so thinking about this contest more as a whole like what are some specific roadblocks to watch out for
2: um I think the biggest is just getting terminology down. Uh more and more I realize just how many industry terms there are. Um uh, sure. hot poultry. Um to really anyone. I mean, I did poultry judging in 4 H. I did it in FFA. I was just really involved in just raising poultry and all that kind of fun stuff. So I could rattle off and talk about all things poultry for all night but the more and more I realize <laughs> there's so much terminology that uh everyday consumer might not understand or know and it's not common knowledge so just understanding and finding good resources and reliable resources to better understand that terminology and kind of how it relates to the bird and mainly from an anatomy standpoint i would say too because that's a lot of like what this contest is i think it's judging like the physical characteristics and body parts and how they kind of work together so relating the terminology to also the body of a bird i think is helpful
1: um we did. I'm just thinking now when you're talking about like the actual bird we did forget one part of and they did bring this back in Minnesota um, at least at our regional level they did but like live birds.
2: yeah I was wondering about birds. that
1: <laughs> <laughs> they did um and so what are your tips or tricks for that what should students be looking for um those students that maybe have, are not familiar with chickens what would you mm-hmm. tell them how to help them
2: practice that sort of thing um well my first like big thing was no matter don't worry or pay attention to who is in your group or what others are doing around you because I think usually they'll put you in a group of maybe five or ten kids and there's four birds there and I've been in groups where I'm the only one that's picking up the bird and looking at the bird and none of the rest of the kids are want to touch them (laughs) so I'd say most importantly, you need to be willing to open the cage and hold a bird and know how to hold a bird properly at that. Um, yeah. And also just not worrying about what you see other kids in that room do or write sure. down. Um, so when you're holding the bird, and I would say it's hard to just audibly explain, <laughs> but you want to have them kind of resting in your arm a little bit and their head is kind of should be maybe tucked or under your um, like your armpit and that'll kind of keep them calm and collected and you kind of have their wings tucked in so they can't get away um, and you can feel around they have these um, bones they're called uh, pubic bones and it measure and if you're able to put your fingers in between those bones kind of by their rump I guess, uh, yeah yeah <laughs> you, you can feel for their abdominal capacity, which I think is like one of the major points to judging them. It shows how good of a egg layer and how well they're producing. So, generally, the larger the width, the more eggs they're producing, the more eggs they're laying. Um, sure. Ideally, you want... Younger hens will have probably closer to two or three, but well versed hens will have you'll be able to probably fit three or more fingers in between those bones um but mostly with that I just kind of compare them with each other and I don't really rank them individually but so that was a, one major thing yeah um then also looking at their physical characteristics of their legs and their heads I've always been taught that if they are putting uh, their energy into their eggs, they're not going to be putting their energy in how pretty they look. Yeah. So mm-hmm. their legs and comb and waddle might be a little more faded because yeah. of just not putting work or production into those features. They're putting their energy into producing quality eggs. So that's another major thing I've looked at. And yeah, I think those are like the biggest things too, are the abdominal capacity, the leg coloring, the comb coloring. and then also just making sure that they're in good health too. Sometimes they'll ha- throw some droopy birds in there, not too often I've but I have definitely like seen it before where there might be a bird with a little droopy eyelid or something like that. Um, so just being mindful of general health of the bird. And making sure they're just good physically, uh, in that sense.
1: Um, what do you say? Uh, and this is me showing how much <laughs> I don't know about poultry, um, or poultry judging rather. But like, if I, because I have one bird that gets picked on, so she's missing some of her feathers um, on, like, her backside and then on her neck. So. Let's say a bird like that is put into the lineup. Is that immediately down at the bottom, even though she has like all the other stuff, all the other stars have aligned for her?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's a little tricky, but because generally a lot of production facilities, I want to say like it's, they limit how many, like, because cage systems are so prevalent. Yeah. So it's not as, okay. Which is a whole nother uh, discussion, yes. but. Um, So they don't come in direct contact all the time. So it's not a huge industry from the, our issue from the production side of things. Makes Um, sense. Yeah. But I mean, logistically from like a home perspective, I don't see it as like interfering with their egg production as much. I've definitely seen birds that like their feathers are more, maybe just like not as pretty. Yeah. Um, and again that goes back to the whole they're putting their energy into producing eggs and not how they look um i haven't really seen um a lot with like their yeah and if their feathers have been missing or just like a little bit falling out it hasn't been too like drastic um it goes yeah, again goes back to the whole they're putting their energy into something else. Sure. Um, and any usually anytime I've seen like there's been an issue where it's like a chicken is in really bad condition, like where there's a possibility of blood. Then I've seen like coordinators of like the event step in and like swap that chicken out and just like sure. <laughs> get it out of the situation. So I think it's they great. do a pretty good job of mitigating that at the competition level and trying to make it a non-issue yeah so I mean that's another thing for students to keep in mind if like there's something like really wrong with the bird they think like where there's blood out or something like that or they look seriously injured that might be a time for like someone to let a volunteer know yeah (laughs) because they might not be able to pay attention to every cd at the same time and we're always running around and don't know everything that's happening
1: at once but definitely
2: want to solve those situations as
1: best as possible yeah and i don't think i've ever seen a bird like that um before at a competition um I was just kind of curious, but it makes sense when you say, it, like, industry standard, they typically they're not in a run together or whatever it might be, um, and so that makes a lot more sense that you probably are not going to have a chicken mm-hmm. that gets picked on a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Our poor Mabel. Um, <laughs> she gets some free time outside for herself, though. <laughs> um, Self-care, we love it. <laughs> Thinking about structuring like practices and stuff like that, how did you structure practicing for the poultry CDE or what are your suggestions? Like as you get into the classroom in the future, how do you like foresee um, like supporting students in their practices and stuff like that for the poultry CDE specifically? Mm -hmm.
2: Something that I see being really I think would be really interesting to do in an animal science class um, was to bring this like judging contest as much as you can, and as accurately as you can to the contest, like mimicking that, I think would be beneficial to like a general animal science class where you have a poultry unit, because it is such a large part of the poultry industry, and I think has some good career ties to that as well. So... Just mimicking as many different aspects of the CDE. Maybe one day you just find some eggs from the store and do some candle and <laughs> do it doing do a candling activity. Um, and I mean they're probably all gonna be A's or maybe B quality, but you're getting students the opportunity to just kinda get the egg in the hand and get a feel for what they're doing. Or maybe you okay. can find get some carcasses into the classroom as much like hands on Uh, And visual stimulation, I think, with that is the best. Um, But yeah, as far as how I studied in high school, uh, I was by no means the best or a complete master of it. Although I like to think I have a good amount of knowledge in it. But um, a lot of it was independent. And I wish I would have worked more collaboratively because that's definitely something I've realized in college is that I work really well with others and so if I was better able to harness that and pull people more often to study together and quiz each other more often rather than me sitting at home going through slideshows or just reading in my books yeah I think would have been more beneficial as I look back
1: sure Um, okay and then thinking about your like five tips and tricks for the poultry cd like someone just needs these quick and to be able to take them and go with them what are your five tips and tricks that you have
2: yeah uh so i guess my first tip and this isn't a plug for 4-h or anything but uh, (laughs) but the most beneficial like resource that i've come across is the National 4-H Poultry Judging Manual. I think you can get it as a download at this point because technology is wonderful like that. Um, but also having a paper copy, I think, is even better, especially with contests like this. But it's without a doubt the most beneficial, reliable source that I've gone to through and through when I was in competitions. And it ha- lays out the contest pretty well and so, number one, like, just recommending the National 4-H Poultry oh. Judging. I think that's verbatim what it's called. And it's, like, $5, so. And I think okay. once you have the download, you can probably, like, just print off as many copies. I'm not exactly sure on that, but um, <laughs> it's re- <laughs> reasonably priced and, like, the best resource I've come across. Um, right. With that being said, there's so many great free resources thanks to the internet like you were talking about Quizlet and just so many uh, extensions uh, sta- like state extension places have published different presentations and guides out to the interweb and so utilizing as many resources um, is also beneficial like I was saying earlier being able to quiz myself with different images of eggs or carcasses was stimulating and kept everything fresh. Yeah. Um, so you have
1: the 4-H poultry manual, the internet resources. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, as far as this is mainly probably mainly focuses on live bird judging, but I think you could probably do it in other aspects of the judging is taking notes when you're doing placings of contests. This flip I'd always have just a blank sheet of paper underneath my clipboard and just take notes on, like, pen one, pen two, pen three, pen four, and make little jots of this bird I could fit, three fingers, on like, between the bones, or this bird is not looking very healthy, or (laughs) stuff like that. Um, So making notes so you could reference back when you're kind of going back to placing um has been helpful as well and that's definitely something I did especially with the live bird judging aspect of it
1: okay um taking notes that's a good one and I think that might be helpful too to um I can just think about some of my students like might need a little bit more of that processing time Mm -hmm. and being able to like visually um and you know, get it into their brain and be able to process it. And some of them taking notes, I think, is really helpful. I yeah. That... We're like rookies. We've never done that before. <laughs> so I think that's good. Um, this might be a little more
2: like hardcore. Um, but something uh, I've sometimes done, I've definitely seen my friends do, is that they, in addition to filling in their answers on the Scantron, they'll also like take note on a separate sheet of paper of their answers there and mark it down their answers down um and then usually at least in minnesota um at the end of the contest they'll walk back through the volunteers that put together the contest and like explain their reasoning for why they placed a class a certain way or something like that but they'll explain pretty much all the different answers to the contest and why they were placed in such ways. And so if you're going through and doing that and you have what you put down right in front of you, because at this point they've already taken your Scantron, I think it's easier to connect the dots of your thought process versus the
1: judge's thought process, if all that makes sense. <laughs> uh-huh. And I know that we do that at the regional level for sure. And I think that is it can be very beneficial and a great learning experience for the students and that makes me kind of think about too um how you said there's some subjectiveness in like the judging portion and Mm -hmm. so if you're able to get into the mind of how did that judge judge that um I think that might be kind of helpful so I really like that that's really great
2: yeah exactly it gets your kind of puts your brain in the mind space of an actual judge
1: so yeah
2: that's about val- I think that's really valuable so also if you have time then to stick around after the contest is done yeah um I would definitely recommend that um <laughs>
1: so we have the full or the full tree 4 age <laughs> full tree manual the internet just using the internet resources that are out there in general taking notes when you're doing play scenes Um, And then walking back through with the judge and seeing how they placed and why they placed the way that they did. Mm -hmm.
2: I think just like any type of like hands on, like before the actual competition day, whether that's you have a friend that, you know, has white leg horn chickens and you take a trip out to their house and you just kind of hold them and learn the basics of how to hold a chicken. Because that's a big part of it as well. Um, In the live bird judging. Or you, like I was saying earlier. You go to the store and grab some eggs. Just to familiarize yourself. With egg handling. Um, Taking that extra step. To familiarize yourself with how. The contest will be set up. And just at a very base level. Of like. I'll be holding a chicken like this. I'll be looking at the egg like this. And in this competition. I can't hold it. So I just have to. Look at it from this angle. Um, things like that, I think. If you can mimic that before the contest is extremely
1: beneficial. That's awesome. Yeah, I think <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but my first year teaching at the school that I teach at currently, which is in the middle of the city, yeah, um, my students had never been around a live chicken ever and they made it to state, and I'm not quite sure how they did it. <laughs> they, I, and I, you know, they. I know that they are really familiar with all of the other parts, but I know that they did not pick up the chicken. But I always wonder, like, if they were to pick up those chickens and you know hold them and look at them, um, and, and get up close, mm-hmm. how much better would they have placed at state? Um, and that was just me like surviving my first year there, <laughs> right?
2: Um, so but that's a big
1: part of it too that you don't even really think about. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a, a great a great example or a great suggestion rather. Yeah. Um, and, and
2: maybe chances are too like if you even if you work reached out to like a county extension like 4-H extension or somebody in the FFA chapter, especially with chickens, it might be more challenging if with larger animals but chances are like someone knows someone who has chickens and something that like we didn't I remember doing in high school is like we were able to like just bring a chicken to school yeah (laughs) like we just showed each other like hey this is how you hold a chicken and not hurt it and this is how you look at the wings this is how you feel for this all these types of things so if you can find some kind of connection to with that yeah. from in the classroom
1: yeah I, th- I was just gonna say I think like with backyard poultry becoming so popular and backyard chickens becoming so popular I'm like I'm pretty sure um I could put the all a call out and get a good variety of chickens <laughs> in
2: <laughs> yeah and that's something like that's super unique about like poultry in particular other than yeah. like, their livestock is that it can really reach all these different
1: avenues which is really cool I um yeah, it's, it's cool to, I have a lot of co-workers who live <laughs> in the city, but also have chickens. Um, and so it's cool to have that connection with them as well. Um, Is there anything I should have asked, but didn't, or anything that I didn't cover?
2: Um, I think we got all of it. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> it's a beast, as yeah, it was sure. CDE. I mean, I feel like they're all large and ominous but (laughs) yeah um hopefully this will help our listeners at least if they're starting off from nothing they have baseline knowledge um or if they just have that baseline knowledge they'll be able to dive in just a little bit deeper so we are getting to the favorite part of my podcast um, and it is three questions that I have for you so that the audience can get to know you a little bit better and I can get to know you a little bit better um and so I'll start with the first one. Who has had the most influence on your, um, well, you're going into teaching, is that correct? Yeah. Or you plan on it. So your teaching career or where you're at today.
2: Mm. So last summer, I got the opportunity to work with youth in Mexico and teach different agriculture coursework there. Um actually taught a chicken class there too so there's another (laughs) tie Uh, but yeah working with those kids definitely just shifted my entire perspective of how of working with youth and working across cultures and just like being a decent human being and uh, I could go on and on about how great the
1: kids I worked with were but I know you've told me about it before too, so it must have been had a really big impact on you.
2: Yeah, so that without a doubt has been the most influential.
1: That's awesome. Um, I like to think of myself somewhat as a foodie, um, and so I always like <laughs> to ask people, like especially people in Minnesota, because then I can go try it out. <laughs> what is your go-to order at your favorite restaurant?
2: Mm. Well, so this summer, I'm calling Lexington, Kentucky home for an internship. Uh, yeah. So when I think of hometown here, uh, the restaurant Ramsey's comes to mind. It's just some good comfort food. And I love their country fried steak. And then Oh. Uh, yeah. And you can get, <laughs> uh, and then for sides, you can get their mac and cheese and fried green tomatoes. mm And then, of course, you have to get a slice of pie with it, too.
1: Yeah. Oh, that sounds (laughs) so good.
2: (laughs) Definitely, like, comfort food.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. When you have mac and cheese in the mix, like, that's Mm. a meaty. For sure. Uh, And then the last question that I have for you is what are three of your simple joys?
2: Uh, The first one, uh, and anyone that knows me well could definitely vouch for this, I love thrifting. Mm. Uh, <laughs> probably to an unhealthy amount most of my closet yeah. it has come from just some thrift shop or goodwill in some respect I love a good
1: bargain
2: and yeah I love I have, it.
1: <laughs> have you seen my stories from the past two days my instagram stories Oh, the garage
2: sale ones?
1: Yes. The garage sale and the free (laughs) stuff on the side of the road. Like, I am so with you in that. It makes me so, it makes me, when you saw the,
2: when I saw the plant one, that one I think was my favorite.
1: I, so hard. My husband was just dying. He's like, you just had the best day, didn't you? I'm like, it was so great.
2: (laughs) Yes, I was cheering you on as I was watching (laughs) the story. second one would be uh I'm a huge breakfast food con- connoisseur I love Ooh. scoping out good breakfast spots or just making breakfast uh love me some hash brown and bacon mm-hmm. or... <laughs> but yeah breakfast food
1: mm. I'm and... with you there
2: <laughs> and then third would be uh I th- touched on it I grew up on a hobby farm and so I love just going horseback riding and trail riding Uh, especially with my mom it's definitely a hobby that we share together and it's a way we spend time together is just going out on the trail and
1: riding our horses and exploring different parks so I did not know that you um had horses I mean I probably should have assumed that but I didn't
2: (laughs) yeah nothing too crazy but a simple pleasure.
1: Yeah. No kidding. That's awesome. Um, how can the audience find you if they, um, I, I think Instagram's probably, probably the best. Um,
2: yeah, my Instagram is the dot Janelle dot bell, um, all lowercase.
1: Perfect. And so they can find you there. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being on today and chatting about poultry with me (laughs) and the big, huge CDE that it is and making it a little bit simpler for me and the um, listeners that we have out there that need a little bit of help in that area. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: You just finished listening to episode 13 of Egg with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about the poultry CDE. For show notes, please visit my Instagram at Mrs. Wedger for info from our chat today. If you have any questions or ideas on topics you want me to dig in and cover, or if you, yeah you! want to be a guest, you can send me an email at eggwithmisswedger at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody.